Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay. sexual nature it should be for people that are 18 years or older heed my warning people i do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show the facts we're retelling you were presented to us by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims my description of the crime scenes are what i saw with my own two eyes if you're gonna get offended Please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And today I'm going to be doing part two of Rapids Burning. Now, if you've not listened to part one, I strongly advise that you go back and listen to it. I give some history on Rapids Parish, and then I explain why I'm pissed off and I'm doing this series about the powers that be in Rapids Parish. And so go back and listen to it. But it's this, this series, y'all don't know how long it's going to run. I know you lifers love to hear me tell my old, my old cop stories and stuff, but sometimes these stories need to be told. Now, I'm not actively working in any of these cases. I'm just telling you information that was sent in to me by lifers, and it's been being sent to me. Ever since I dropped the first episode on Courtney Coco over a year ago. And again, go back and listen to part one. But the powers of being in Rapids have something to answer for. And I want this to go national. I expect that it's going to get picked up. It's going to be, I can't tell you how many parts there's going to be in the series simply because I don't know yet. But the first part of the series is I'm going to be talking about cold cases and or uh, or homicides that happen in Rapids Parish that are questionable at best, or cases that haven't even been listed as homicides, as I'm going to talk about tonight, some of them that pr- probably should have been listed as homicides, and you know the, the, the work that's done on them is questionable at best. So just bear with me. You know I'm raw and I'm unscripted, but... I have volumes of information, y'all, that have been submitted by lifers, and I'm going to talk about every single victim. Uh, These people were real people that are dead. 
these people are have loved ones, and I've spoken with several of the families, and there's some of them, you know, pretty recent. And some of them happened a long, long time ago before I got in law enforcement, uh, you know, and but it, it's their, their pain is still real every day, and I think in the true crime genre, we become desensitized to the fact that the people, the victims that we're talking about are real people and they have real loved ones. Now, I'm not from Rapids Parish and I would not be doing this series if they hadn't pissed me off on the Courtney Coco's case and y'all just hang in there. Justice is coming for Courtney, but again, we have strength in our numbers and I think once the series is told, the first part being the deaths or murders or homicides or um, the second part I'm going to be doing is all all the lifers that have sent in accusations of political corruption, whether it be in law enforcement or judges or the district attorney or whatever. I'm going to I'm going to list every one of them. These people have certain allegations that they they want to make and, and they want to put their name on it, I'm going to list it. And some of y'all, it's just so shitty, you, you wouldn't believe it when you hear it. And finally, I'm going to conclude the series with an interview with someone who used to work for, for the district attorney's office and has documents that can prove about the corruption that he knows took place and he witnessed when he was there, so... Rapids burning. Last week when I left you, I was rolling and, and, you know, all pissed off and everything else. And I imagine I'll get the same way tonight. But, you you know, I have to use notes, y'all, because there's so many different names and, and different information. So if you hear pauses or I stop or whatever, I apologize ahead of time. And I'm not in my normal recording location. So if the audio is screwed up, I apologize ahead of time. But let's get started. The first thing I want to do is last week I talked about a a guy that's missing, Bucky Tarver. And I had spoken with a family member probably for like 45 minutes the, the weekend before I recorded. I mistakenly said that Bucky Tarver was from Avoyles Parish, not Rapids Parish, but that's incorrect. His driver's license actually shows a Rapids Parish address. But the day he went missing, he went missing when he was in a Bulls Parish, which is a, at lifers that are not from Louisiana. A Bulls Parish is the parish next to Rapids. And a Bulls Parish originally had a detective assigned to the case. That is correct. And at some point, Rapids Parish took over, and the family is not happy with how that investigation is being handled. So um, that's why it was brought to my attention. That's why it was, it was noted on the show. There's also a young man named Ray Latchney, who he's from a Bulls parish, and he was murdered. And there's been a, a female who has been convicted for accessory after the fact and uh, sentenced to prison for four or five years, which is the maximum that she could get. And his uh, Ray's killers have not been brought to justice. Now his mama is, uh, you know, worked this case herself, and and I think she had a couple heart attacks while working it, et cetera. 
and she wants justice for Ray, and, and I get that. And the reason I'm mentioning Ray is, first of all, it's it's a tragic case. How in the hell do you have somebody for accessory after the fact and, and you don't have them for murder? But the word on the streets is somehow that Ray's case is possibly tied to Bucky's, uh, Bucky's case, Bucky Tarver. So just if anybody knows anything on that, call it in. All right, let's get back to Rapides Parish and, and the cold cases. Um, Alan Michael Edwards, he was murdered on March 26, 1999. His body was found in his, home, in his house in the, the Tioga area. That's it, y'all. I, th- this one was sent in. I, there's no more information on it, and, and I can't get any more information on it. If I don't have any information on it, how in the hell is anybody else going to solve it or, or have information on it? I don't understand Rapides. I, I mean, it, it, this one is actually put on the Rapides Parish cold case file site. I mean, but how, how do you expect people that have information on a case that's what, 2009, 21 years old, and you don't say anything else about it. But anyway, then they have an unidentified body on April the 12th, 1988. The partially decomposed nude body of a white female was discovered alongside the southbound on-ramp onto Interstate 49 near rural Lena, Louisiana, exit 20 miles north of Alexandria. The site is frequented by 18-wheelers and campers who often use this on-ramp as an unofficial overnight rest stop. Anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers, and they, they give the number. Okay, well, you know, that's a long time ago, and and, and I have a question, have they, have they not tried to identify this female through DNA, which back the, in, in 1998, DNA wasn't that far advanced. Now there are all different kinds of ways to do it, right? And, and you know, you can even get the home kit testing kits. And, and why, why hasn't something been done to try to further this girl's case? Why don't you do something? Why don't you update it? Why, were there any tattoos on the body? Were there, I mean, it's got to be something, okay? It's got to be something. I don't get it. All right. Kathy Marie Griffin, 28 years old, black female, on May 25, 1995, human bones were located at the Old Folks Hunting Club, located about 1.6 miles southwest of Plainview High School in Rapides Parish. An autopsy was conducted and it was determined that the cause of death was blows to the head. No further information, y'all. And they asked you to call it in. Now, the, each of these were sent to me about people that live in Rapids, and I had to dig and try to find more information, and this is all I could find. But, I mean, this one is, what, 15, 25, 26 years old? And human bones were located. How do they identify her? I mean, what's being done? I, I, I can see, when I worked for the sheriff's office, I can see those cold case files sitting in the corner, uh, um, and they're filing cabinets, you know, but I mean, the, the, 
and but we went through them. You know, we worked them. We looked at them. We we did pushes from time to time. I can't find anything on this lady. You know, other than this. I mean, she was somebody's daughter, sister, mama, whatever. She deserves justice. I don't get it. Where you at, Rapids? And at this point, y'all, I'm just, I'm just almost just tired. Uh, not tired, but just sick about. I mean, I could sit here and say they could have done this and could have done that or whatever, but it's just a, it's just an overwhelming volume of cases. The cases last week and the ones I'm doing today, and it's just sad, man. It's more sad. I guess I'm more sad than anything that nobody cares about these victims. Next one is Michael D., and I guess the last name is Sal, S-I-A-U, 38 years old, white male, and on September 26 of 85, 1985, I was still in high school, a jogger located the body of Michael D. D. Sal, a white male, in the ditch of Plantation Drive near Hot Wells Road in Alexandria, Louisiana. Investigation revealed the victim had been severely beaten. Anyone with information called Crime Stoppers. I don't get it. You know, the, the, the I don't get it. Rapids Parish needs a true cold case squad. They need they need some some fresh blood, man. Rapids Parish needs fresh blood that gives a fuck uh, about these victims and their family members, and it's just. It's just, I don't, what do you do? I mean, you, you put them on, on, on a website and you forget about them. But, I mean, give them more information. Make them, make them a human being. You know, post, get their family members. Interview them like we did on Barbara Blunt's and on Courtney Coco's case. Interview the family members. Let them hear their pain. Do something to try to have a catalyst to get somebody fired up. You know, these people who, they were murdered. Then, and whoever did it, they have probably have children now. I mean, that's a long time ago, y'all. I mean, 30-plus years. The, the people changed. They might have found religion. They might have kids of their own. They might be sorry for what they did. You know, I had one case showed up, and and was showed up. The guy said, I've been waiting a long time for you to, uh, or for law enforcement to come and get me. Yeah, I've been waiting years for this. You know, shit, shit go do something. Follow up on it. I mean, take some money out of your budget and, and, and or give it to some young detectives that are hungry. Let them go do something. It, it, what if it was your family member? That's what I want to get. And all the, the murders and stuff I've dealt with, they all got family members, y'all. And, I mean, they're real people, and it's real life, and these are real crimes. It's just sad. I, I don't know who's going to speak for the victims. I have this information was sent in. This is not on cold cases or anything like that. Um, it says Jessica Giot, G-U-I-L-L-O-T, missing since 2013. They have the people who did it, but none were charged with murder because her body was never found. Find her body. Give her family some peace of mind. This is sent in by a lifer. Now, y'all, where's the story on Jessica? You know, and, and and look, I've been a part of investigations where you know things. Just like they, 
on Coco's case now, right? And and, and where you know things, et cetera, and you're working, but that's that's eight years ago, man. What that's seven, almost eight years ago, and somebody knows something. Why, if you, you, you these cases are never gonna get solved being written down on a piece of paper somewhere. You know, I mean, somebody's got to stand up and take action. And again, I'm painting a systemic, a picture of a systemic problem in Rapids Parish on these cases. And I'm going to tell you something, if there was such a thing as socioeconomic racism, this would be the case. You, none of these victims have parents that are politicians or rich or whatever. You know, that's... I hate to say that, but that, it's the truth, and, and none of them. And it, if you, I don't see any cold cases on on the sheriff's family uh, members that were, or the district attorneys, or or judges, kids, you know, or family members. Right? It's it's all these people who some of them live the high risk lifestyle, some of them are just good salted earth people. You know, this one, this one. This man worked for the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office. His daughter sent this in. So my dad, he worked for the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office for 14 years. He was let go in 2008 and was killed the next month, four years ago. He was, he was murdered in Cheneyville, Louisiana. I always get information that is not the same as the autopsy report. And I get we have no other info. I've actually been messaged by someone from this page before about his case, but was told they would not work anymore after Courtney's in Rapids Parish. I'm hoping now that this has changed. When I try to go to his article in the paper, it won't pull it up. But this was the headline, and his name was John Roger Gwynn, G-U-I-N-N. Well, that's a kicker, right? Yeah. This I said about socioeconomic racism, but this guy actually was a deputy for the Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office, and uh, he was murdered. and And I was able to find the uh, a clipping from WBKO, uh, which says. On September 5th at approximately 8.35 p.m., deputies responded to a report of a male subject lying in the roadway on Louisiana Highway 181 at I-49 near Cheneyville. Upon arrival, they made contact with a Louisiana State Police Trooper who was on scene to work what initially appeared to be a hit and run with a vehicle. The unconscious subject suffered from what was apparent severe head trauma was transported by Katie and ambulance to Rapids Parish General Trauma Center. After arriving at the hospital, it was determined that the subject did not sustain the injuries from a vehicle due to the lack of injuries anywhere else on his body. With that new information, deputies and sheriff detectives resumed the investigation into the incident. The victim, identified as James Roger when G-U-I-N-N, 49 years old at Cheneyville, passed away early Tuesday, September 6th. An autopsy will be performed to determine the actual cause of death. Sheriff's Texas say they have upgraded their investigation to a homicide. 
hey, this guy was a cop. That you know, they they show up and initially think he's been hit by a car. He's unconscious. Think he's been hit by a car, but they come to find out it's head trauma. There's no no other injuries anywhere on his body. I mean, does that mean that head trauma was done somewhere else and, and they kicked him out on the side of the road right there by on, on, on ramp? That would be consistent, right, uh, uh, with a homicide. But this guy, how do you not step up for a Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office deputy, a former deputy? That somebody worked with this guy. I mean, he's a good guy. He's got family, right? And they've got nothing. It, it, it's it's cold case. Where why why isn't this case listed on Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office cold case files? Answer me that. Why aren't why isn't somebody doing something? You know, at least have the decency to reach out to the family members every once in a while. And, and say something, and and even on Courtney Coco's case, when when Miss Stephanie recorded that detective lying to her on the phone, he, they hadn't talked to her in forever. She was out having to call them. I mean, if you got the case, man, do your damn job. Do something. Somebody get off your ass and 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 make these cases step up, Rapides. It's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't understand. This one was sent in, y'all. I don't think it's uh, directly Rapids related, other than she was from Rapids, and it was sent in by Life for that. And I said I would mention all the victims. Since my sister Jennifer Lynn Stuckey lived in Alexandria, but was murdered on her 17th birthday, 9/11 of 1973 in Monroe, Louisiana, her case was never been solved. Well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you. And we don't know if she was. Uh, certainly, she wasn't. If she's lived in Alexandria at 17 years old, maybe, you know, Monroe's, it's not that far. Was she there with friends from Rapides? And she got murdered. Case is never solved. I'm sure it would be nice to know who's working on it. It's just tragic. All right, I want to read you this one. This was actually sent in by a lifer, and then I was able to find some more information. It's Deborah Woodson. She's missing since March the 1st, 1986, from Pineville, Louisiana, which y'all is in Rapids Parish. Classification is endangered, missing female, white. Her date of birth was 126, looks like 65. She's 31 years old. She's five foot four, 115 pounds, possibly wearing a blue one. Breaker with the U.S. Postal Service logo on it. All right, so it says Woodson was last seen in Pineville, Louisiana on March 1st, 1986. She lived at Pine Highland Apartments in the 1800 block of Sunburst Lane off of Highway 28 on the east side of town. Between 3.30 and 4 p.m., she left her apartment complex with a male friend in his truck. Her friend said they were only together for about 15 minutes before Woodson got sick. Her friend returned her to her apartment complex, dropping her off at the mailbox so she could check the mail. Woodson never got the mail that day and never showed up for her job that night at the post office in Alexandria, Louisiana. She has never been heard from again. 
On March 4th, Woodson's estranged husband went to her apartment and found it locked. Their five- and seven-year-old sons were alone on the balcony. He called police. When they arrived, they noted that Woodson's late model beige two-door Mercury Lynx was in a parking lot as usual. There was no signs of a disturbance or foul play inside her residence. The tub was full of soapy water as if she'd been interrupted while taking a bath, and there were two glasses on the kitchen counter. About a month after she was last seen, Woodson's purse was found hanging on a limb in Flagon Creek along Highway 28 near Esler Regional Airport. It contained her wallet, driver's license, credit cards, and photos of her sons with no money. Her eyeglasses were also in the purse, and one of the lenses were broken. Woodson never picked up her last paycheck. Her family said she liked her job, where she had been employed for about a year, and wouldn't have quit without giving notice. It would also be uncharacteristic of her to leave without warning or abandon her children. After her disappearance, they spent some time living with her father and were later sent to an orphanage. Woodson's family believes she was murdered. Her case remains unsolved, and the Pineville Police Department has the case. Now, y'all, again, the, you know, Pineville is is not that big of a town. Um, it's not that small either, or city. This case is old. It's frozen, but, I mean, somebody needs to work it. Go back, test everything that was in her purse. If somebody went through her purse and took out the money, you still have the items, which you should, and evidence. Go back and test those items for DNA now. The broken glasses, that's a huge piece to be tested. Do something. You know, I mean, she's never been found. I get that. But she never cashed another paycheck. She didn't take her credit cards or cars at home. She left her kids. She's going to leave her kids at home, right? Something happened, man. Don't fucking just put it on, on a shelf and forget about it. Get off your ass and do something. Her kids ended up going to an orphanage, y'all, and I'm sure they're all grown and everything now. Um, I bet you nobody's talked about Deborah Woodson in, in 30 years, and that's, that's what's sad. That's what's sad. I can tell you one thing. The cold case files we had, you damn well knew better believe that we need the details of each one of those cases, okay? They were read, and, and they weren't forgotten about. Rapids Parish needs the peop- the powers that be, and certainly not everybody is bad, but, but everybody needs to wake up. If you're in Pineville Police Department or Ball Police Department or Alexandria PD or whatever, go look at these cold cases. Try to do something. It's just crazy. All right. Y'all want to talk about this case? And it's um, it's what I, I would call a questionable case at best. It's sad. Uh, they ruled it an accidental death. and But I want to give you some details on it. And just bear with me. I talked to... Um, the victim's mama for almost an hour last night and I have so much information and and they've gathered so much information the family there's like Coco's family when they're working it they have all the stuff and this the her family hasn't not that the other victim's families have forgot about them but I mean 
I think some of the families push back so far, like Miss Stephanie, and they get the, the runaround answer from whoever's working the case or has the signed cold case, whether it's a homicide or missing person, whatever. It's shit you get tired. And, and then again, you want to believe in your law enforcement or your elected officials that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? And looking at your case as well. The, this family definitely hasn't given up and, and they've been fighting because they do not believe this is an accidental death. But the victim is Heather Renee Scarina. And I, I hope I'm saying that correctly, S-K-A-R-I-N-A. Y'all, let me give you a little details on this. And I'm not gonna go into everything because we may actually cover this case uh, on Real Life Real Crime or new cold case podcast that Toby Tomplay and I are going to be doing. But Heather Renee Scarina um, is a beautiful young girl. I say young girl. She wasn't a girl. She was an adult. But her parents had been divorced for many years, to, to sum it up quickly for you. On the night in question, Heather was staying with her father, Michael Scarina, and what strikes me as really odd about this, y'all, is at some point during the night, and I know, family, y'all have to forgive me because I can't put everything in it, but at some point during the night, she was riding in the vehicle with her father. She was a passenger. I'm talking about Heather. Heather, they had some type of altercation. Heather actually grabs the steering wheel of the car and slams it to the right and makes the father slide off into the ditch and it actually flattened one of his tires on his car. She jumps out of the vehicle, runs into traffic, screaming hysterically. Just so happens, lo and behold, at that time, a ball, that's B-A-L-L town, I guess it is, or Ball City police officer, sees her running out into traffic, and he stops. He recognizes Heather from having been at her father's, Michael's residence earlier in the evening where Michael had got into a fight with another guy. So he he recognizes her, and, and you know, she was like, I don't want to ride with, uh, with my dad, et cetera, and... and the cop didn't even realize the dad was there because the car was down off in a ditch. And then at some point, Heather actually got the, the uh, cop to go to the vehicle and uh, get her cigarettes, maybe her purse or whatever. That's what her mama told me, Miss Leona. And then she tells the cop, look, I'm going to go stay at my dad's, but I, I just don't want to ride with him. So the cop gives her a ride back to her father's residence. And now this is early Saturday morning. When Sunday morning, Michael, her father, calls her in a medical emergency and says, basically saying that she's dead. And Heather is found on the floor of one of the bedrooms, and she's dressed not not in pajamas or anything like that. She's dressed in like, uh, I have the crime scene photos. She's dressed in like not parachute pants, I don't know what you would call those, capris or something like that, and a shirt, and she's crumpled on the floor. Now, get it, this is over 24 hours after the cop dropped her off uh, 
initially the the first paramedic or whomever was on, on the came on the scene called out Rapids Parish Sheriff's Office to work it as a homicide or a suspicious death, right? And so they did, and they came out and they worked it, and they sent her for an autopsy. But what sticks out is the father's story changed several times, and it changed to that, you know, her stepbrother the day before on Saturday found her sleeping and covered her up with a blanket and in, then the dad says he saw her at like 10 o'clock that night, being Saturday night, or 10.30 that night, walking the dog or something like that. And then the, it's the next morning, Sunday morning, when when uh, he makes the medical call. Now, the very fact that she's trying to get away from him to the point where she slams the car in the ditch and the cop gives her a ride back, okay? That's a red flag, all right? Now, don't you think you would want to know what the argument was or why she was trying to get away from him so bad, right? And the the dad had given a story saying they he was out at a bar with her earlier, and one of his friends was buying her drinks, and he didn't like that, so he made her leave. He said that she was so drunk, she was like passed out in the backseat of the car or whatever, and at some point puts the car in the ditch. Well, the problem with that is they go to an autopsy, to take Heather's body for an autopsy, and she has no alcohol in her system, all right? None, zero. Now, I get the body, most people don't know this, but the body processes out approximately one drink per hour, and this has been you know, 24, 36 hours since she allegedly was in a ballroom. But they, they established the fight, right? The dad had already been in a fight with somebody else earlier in the night. Then he gives this story about the, that's that's why they were fighting um, is because his friend had been buying her drinks. Well, to the point where she slams the car in the ditch, uh, almost killing them both, and, and runs out into traffic, and the cop brings her home. And then he says, you know, he he saw her at ten thirty the next night, or whatever, and she'd been sleeping all day. Well, she didn't have on sleeping clothes, y'all. And in the in the uh, crime scene photos, I can tell you that that. And but the the autopsy showed she had a super high amount of amitriptyline in her system, and she had. The, the other thing that was weird on is they listed that she had a injection or a hole in her arm with the bruising around it, which could appear to be an injection site, right? Well, from the amount of, of the amitriptyline that says she had in her system, first of all, that's a, a um, she wasn't on amitriptyline. That is, a, that's, you know, it's a mental, a, a nerve medicine, if you will. And I don't know, it's just strange. But supposedly the autopsy listed as an accidental death from an overdose of amitriptyline. Well, you don't take this to get high. And I don't get it. You know, and like I said, I think we're going to cover this in detail further. But this family has been fighting all all these years 
wanted and they haven't given up the uh I mean, they, they are fighting like hell, and, and, and including with the Louisiana Attorney General. They've gotten records from the ambulance service and 911. They've done public information requests. And Miss Leona, that's the, the mom, I, I mean, she's not in the best of health, and I know this has taken a toll on them, but don't give up. I had never heard of your case. I don't, nobody had. Uh, so, well, I guess some life was sent it in. But I had to call and, and get all the information. Now they they have a, a Miss Leona has a page about Heather on Facebook. Y'all can check that out. And Carol Goldman is is um, Heather's grandmother. And this case just stinks, y'all. And I'm just I'm telling you from experience, it just stinks. And this whole autopsy thing, it, it reminds me of Courtney's case where they went back and the, the, the initial autopsy done out of Texas by the person who had, who actually did the autopsy and who actually saw court and came back, nothing in their system, et cetera. And then two, after I was going to come in on the case and the detectives went over there and did, for whatever the hell reason, decided they were going to run another autopsy and bring it to some guy in Alexandria who never saw Courtney, et cetera, and came back and said she had everything. Now, this is after 10 or 12 years, however long it was. And they come back and say she had everything in her body but Jesus. And it's a bullshit report. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that this autopsy is bullshit. I'm saying the, the facts around this case stink. And there's a lot more to it. And like I said, I think we'll work, we'll, Toby and I will work this on a cold case. Uh, homicide, the podcast that we're going to start. But I mean, it's uh, things like she was a smoker. Heather was a smoker. She didn't have any of her cigarettes in the house. There were no, uh, uh, none of her brand. You know, it's just doesn't make sense. You know, there's a lot of little things. So prayers for y'all, Miss Leona. And I guess we'll be talking in the future. Uh, um, and at least you haven't given up the fight. So stick with it. Hey, y'all, I want to read you something. I'm going to get it. This, is, this has to do with a murder. And this is going to segue into the next part of the series in which we talk about really, really shitty cases, whether it's from the district attorney or the judges or both, or especially dirty cops, uh, um, and there's all kinds of allegations. Now, listen, I'm not saying anything to slander anybody. But everything I'm going to say is a matter of public record or these people are saying and they're putting their name behind and they're willing to testify to it in court. This case, this will give you an idea of the shit you're going to hear on the bad things that have been done or not been done in Rapid's Paris. And I just want you to listen to this shit, okay? And this goes back so much to the socioeconomic racism or, or you know, the, the victim's families not being there or not being able to push for whatever reason. Oh, listen to this. Here we go. On October 16, 2012, and this is off of Fox 8, y'all. Um... 
is updated June 28th at 9.55 a.m. But anyway, it's titled, Man Gets Probation in Boxed Body Case. Alexandria, Louisiana. A state district judge has sentenced a DeVille man to three years supervised probation for killing his male companion in 2007 and hiding the body in a box until it was found the following year. But Rapides Parish prosecutor Thomas Wilson tells the town talk, that's the Alexander newspaper, y'all, Monday that Judge Thomas Yeager was reconsidering the sentence he gave to Bobby Christopher Lucas, who pleaded guilty to manslaughter in the June for killing Carrie Anthony Lane. Monday, the 39-year-old Lucas sat in the rear of the court gallery with his wife before walking to the bench with attorney George Higgin. He's married. He changed his lifestyle. And he's a manager at an Alexandra fast food restaurant, Higgins told Jaeger. Lucas could have received up to 40 years in prison at hard labor. Jaeger said he reviewed Lucas' case in the circumstances of the killing. He sentenced Lucas to 10 years at hard labor, then suspended the sentence and imposed probation. Lucas was also ordered to pay a $1,000 fine and $484 in court costs and a sum of money to be determined later in restitution. Jaeger on Monday ordered Lane's body to be released to his family for a funeral. Jaeger said the restitution depends on how much the funeral costs. Wilson told the judge that Lane's father and other family members were in court to, I'm sorry, were not in court to issue a victim impact statement. Lucas, in 2011, was indicted on a second-degree murder charge and pled guilty to manslaughter in June. Wilson and Higgins at the time said the plea deal depended on both sides agreeing on a sentence. Wilson said Monday that sentencing is the province of the judge and that he would wait to hear from Jaeger. Okay, now, I got to talk about this shit. This is crazy. All right, now, this is... Basically, these are two gay guys that were living together. And and the victim, Carrie Anthony Lane, was murdered. Murdered by Bobby Christopher Lucas. Killed him. Clear that he knows he killed him. He puts him in a box and hid his body in the residence for a year until somebody ratted him out and the case got busted. He's arrested on second-degree murder, y'all. I mean, that's a hell of a long ways from three months supervised probation. All right, so lifers reached out about this case, and one of the girls is is a great lifer. I'm not going to say her name, but She's a real sweetheart. She knows who she is. She said she was friends with him. And that uh, Bobby Christopher Lucas since got married and, and, and all that and whatever. Says he's not gay anymore, whatever. Doesn't matter. I mean, 
the attorney in the case tells the judge that he, he's married, he's changed his lifestyle. Hey, that, what the fuck does that matter? It, it, it doesn't matter if you're gay and you kill a gay person. It's still murder, right? And what happened is, to, according to the lifer, is that Carrie Anthony Lane's family was nowhere to be found. And when the lawyer says at the end, or, or not the lawyer, Wilson said Monday that sentencing is province judge, blah, blah, blah. Um, Wilson and Higgins at the time said the plea deal depended on both sides agreeing on a sentence. Well, who, who the hell agreed to a three-month suspended probation sentence for Carrie Anthony Lane? I guess you got no victim, no crime. Shit, you got a dead body. Dude admitted that he murdered him. Y'all check this out. Lucas says, uh, you know, there's only three people to know the truth, right? Which is the victim, Carrie Anthony Lane, and the murderer, Bobby Christopher Lucas, and the God, or Jesus is the other one. But Lucas says that he did it in self-defense, that they got into an argument, he killed him in self-defense or whatever. Come on, man, get the fuck out of here. If you killed him in self-defense or it, it was a accidental killing, why didn't you call 911? Why didn't you call and say, my lover and I just got in a fight and I he accidentally slipped and hit his head or whatever it may be? Why do you hide the body in a box in your residence for a year? Rapids Parish, what the fuck? The judge in the case, what is going through your mind? Prosecutor in the case, what is going through your mind? I can tell you what wasn't going through their mind. I can tell you what wasn't going through their mind is that Carrie Anthony Lane was not their relative. And Carrie Anthony Lane did not have family members there screaming in the courtroom uh, for justice against Bobby Christopher Lucas. Now, you can't blame the attorney in this case, George Higgins, and y'all are going to hear some more about Mr. Higgins and and uh, and them in the upcoming episodes because they got a lot of good cases. This guy got a good attorney. It's not the attorney's fault for doing his job, but I just would love to know how you kill your significant other, hide them for a year, and then get three years supervised probation. You know what that means, y'all? He, This guy, who's now, the attorney says, he changed his lifestyle. I mean, what the fuck? Gay people, that's, that's not illegal to be gay. And he changed his lifestyle, and he's managing at a fast food restaurant. So let's give him three years supervised probation. So for three years, this cat had to go once a month or maybe once every three months, whatever, to a probation officer. He had to pay a monthly probation fee, and he had to stay out of trouble. Well, I submit that to you. That's one of a shit ton of cases I'm going to be bringing you out of Rapides Parish, and this is this is nothing I mean, it's something. I'm not making light of the murder of Carrie Anthony Lane in the lightest, craziest sense I've ever had. You go from second-degree murder to three years supervised probation. 
It's fucking ridiculous. It's time for a change in Rapids Parish, y'all. And I, I'm not from there. And it, the uh, lifers around the world, we need your numbers. The stuff that's about to come out is going to get really crazy. You know, there's there's other cases. There's other murders or shady death cases or things that I have information on or whatever, but something's got to give and somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to take on the establishment. Somebody's got to make people do their jobs. Somebody's got to make people accountable for their actions or lack of actions. And I don't care if you're a politician or you're the district attorney or you're a cop, whatever. If you're dirty, you're dirty. And if you're not doing your job, then you need to be held accountable. And lifers, I appreciate y'all sending in all this information. I have a whole huge binder we're starting on next week on the corruption. Thank you for sending it in. You can continue to send it in, and I'll continue to add to the story. The story needs to be told. And when, hopefully, somebody will hear it. This is what I'm hoping for. Somebody will hear it and do a series or a special on Rapids burning on the systemic problems these people have or the people. Yeah, yeah, the people, the citizens of Rapids Parish have a problem because of the people that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing for one reason or another. So I appreciate y'all. Let's go conclude this episode of Rapids Burning. Um, LOPA, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, y'all, please be a hero, give the gift of life. And let me digress for a second. On Miss Barbara Blunt's case, please continue to call in your tips or send them in. You can be anonymous. I do not have to share your information with law enforcement, but we are working on Miss Barbara's case. We're not going to stop working on Miss Barbara's case. Y'all continue to send it in. Also, thank you to everyone who's invited others to join us on the crew page. We're over 23,400 members in that private group. I appreciate that. Thank you to the Dream Team moderators for uh, screening through all the applicants. Y'all, that's our private Facebook page, Real Life, Real Crime, Friends, Fans, and Crew, K-R-E-W-E, that's a Louisiana word. That's our private group in the, where we do everything Real Life, Real Crime. And so over... T- 23,000 plus members and those numbers are important then we have all our regular Facebook pages and we have Instagram y'all check me out on Instagram I'm putting some pretty funny stuff on there just starting to grow it and it's at real life real crime or at Overton Woody and check it out I have some funny videos and then some different things I talk about on there it's totally separate than the the crew So if y'all do Instagram, follow us on there. And if you get a chance, go leave us a review on iTunes. It's important. I don't care if it's a one-star or a five-star. If you get a chance, leave us a review. And patron members, I apologize for not being able to do the video tonight like I did the last week and I've done in the weeks past. I'm in a different location. I could not get it to work. Next week, that problem will be fixed. Patreon members will always receive, you'll be able to have the option of watching me record these episodes live. And 
then that'll be that video. We, if you can't watch it live, then that video will be put up on the patron only page, which is where all the patron um, bonus materials and stuff go to. And of course, patrons, you will get the unedited commercial free version on Friday. And every all lifers, you will get the regular episodes on Saturdays. And listen, lifers, if you can't be a Patreon member, I don't care. I love you all just the same. It's just a Patreon really helps me with the show, helps my uh, family be able to do and produce this show and because and, it's not free. And I just want to thank each and every one of you. Love you and appreciate you. And I know I'm forgetting something that I'm supposed to be saying, but Back to LOPA, Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency, y'all. Lifers, be a hero. Give the gift of life. Go to LOPA.org. The, the link will be put in our show notes. Be an organ donor, all right? Be a true hero. And check the box. Be an organ donor. You're not going to care what they do with your organs once you're dead. They're not going to take them automatically. It's not like everybody that dies that's an organ donor they take their organs. It has to be done under a certain strict guideline of what, you know, when you, when you die and you are your brain dead or well, I don't know all the terms, but it's, it's the chances of your organs ever getting used are very, very slim. All right. So that, I mean, but be an organ donor and, and give the gift of life. Y'all go listen to, um, Lopa's podcast, the gifted G I F. T-E-D, Life. I was a guest host on there with Lori Steele um, and Kelly Jennings, and it came out last week, and it made, and I, 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 I shit, I was there when we recorded it, and it made me cry. Y'all go listen to that baby's mama tell the story of how little baby Reese saved lives. And so, yes, even babies can save lives. So be an organ donor. Give a gift of life. Go to lopa.org. Um, and when there's click downs on how you heard about them, I think LTC, the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center, criminal justice students is the first one I want you to check. That's how I got involved, the real life, real crime. And they uh, had a goal to reach by the end of the year of X amount of new signups. And I think there are over 400 at last count. But Lopez now added real life for real crime as a way that, that you've heard about them, so y'all can check us too. But I mean, we're not in competition by any means. Uh, um, I wouldn't be involved with this if it wasn't for the good folks at the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. So I know I'm long winded. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Lifers. Be a hero, sign up, be an organ donor, give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. Until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay.